Thanks for joining us for another episode of Maiden Voyage. On this episode, we're taking a deep dive into the evolving world of sales with one of our very own mermaids, Jackie Frender. Jackie is an inbound savvy sales pro who has been shifting her processes as the market has evolved in 2020 and helping other organizations do the same. Women face unique challenges, from glass ceilings at work to everyday personal stressors. The Maiden Voyage podcast covers it all, offering tips and tricks for overcoming your struggles. While this lady-hosted podcast focuses heavily on women's issues, it's relevant for anyone who values self-improvement, equality, and badass inspiration. We all navigate this journey together. Welcome aboard. Jackie, thank you so much for letting us interview you for this call. I think that um, I've seen you making a lot of changes over the last few months and our listeners will definitely benefit from hearing more about them. To kick us off, you have many times, I've heard you so many times say this, described yourself as a career sales professional. So we would love to hear a little bit more about why you say that and how you got your start. Yeah. Thank you for asking. I'm excited because we do this all the time. I'm usually the one asking the questions with you guys. So this feels like very different. Um, I put on my best face for you. So, <laughs> but no, I'm excited. I love talking about sales. I don't often get to do that. So I'm super excited. Um, I have been selling literally since middle school. My dad owned a tasty cake truck route. What up, dad? Yeah, yeah, I was a big, yeah, man, I was like, I was a heavy hitter. And he used to get boxes of the Tasty Cake blue and pink cotton candy. They're like bags of cotton candy. And I would sell them out of my locker in middle school to my friends. That is where my career in sales started. (laughs) Yeah, you did. Uh, So for any listener who is not in the New Jersey, Pennsylvania maybe New York City area. area for sure tasty cakes are snack cakes yeah different flavors probably probably the most wonderful but like akin to little debbie's or anything like that but, a but like more ability. right and a more wonderful option uh that's important information for this episode yeah yeah it's good wow so, right, I, I stole it started in middle school selling cotton candy out of my locker I don't think I'd be like a substantial take but that is definitely where my skill set began, if not earlier, right? Um, not an entrepreneurial spirit, right? Like I didn't want to like be the cotton candy queen. I just wanted to, to make the money for whatever I was trying to buy, right? So like people say they parlay that skills into like owning an own business. I don't want to own my own business. That's not something for me. So I kind of stayed in that track. Uh, you know, I went to college, traditional four-year university and studied um, business. And thought, I'm going to be in marketing because marketing is sexy and cool. And I loved it. And I like the idea of like working in like a think tank and coming up with ideas and like generating powerful slogans for businesses. Like I loved that. And I had a sales teacher, Mary Shoemaker. Professor Shoemaker was a guiding light in my four years. At, I went to Widener here in Pennsylvania. And she said to me, and my, because you got, I had to take all these classes and fill my roster. I took a sales class and she said, This is the career for you. And I was like, You're crazy. I don't want to sell used cars. Like, you have such a negative connotation of sales. I was like, Shoemaker, you're out of your mind. I'm taking these classes because I have to graduate. Get out of my face, lady. And man, she was right. It came so naturally to me that when I got my first sales job out of college, I like, I got the juice and I was like, wow, this is definitely where I need to be in life. 
it wasn't a good job. Um, it was a really gritty job selling copy services door to door to attorneys and law firms in center city philly so i had like a dolly and i would be like literally running up and down elevators into buildings picking up document work like wheeling and dealing a per page cost like like a postman rain sleet snow sun hauling ass back to my office in the middle of center city with these pieces of paper, getting them spiral bound and copied and hauling them back in a really tight timeline. So it was grunt work, but it was really fun and fast paced. And like that win, it was the first time I experienced outside of sports, like that win of signing on the dotted line. Yes, I will do business with you. And that's really where like I got my first taste of that, like high when you close a deal. And I was like, yeah, this is the life for me. And then I parlayed that into a very everyone knows this company. It's a payroll company called ADP. And I worked there for quite some time, but that's where I got my formal sales training. And I thank them every day um, of my sales career because it really aligned me with the skill set I need to have done sales for the last 15 years. I could still sell payroll today. That's how dynamic their training program is. And I mentioned to you ladies, I had a personal story to share, but my baby sister just graduated college and got her first sales job at ADP. She got the job yesterday and I'm so excited for her because it's a great career path. I still get recruitment calls based on that being on my resume and I'm so excited for her and I know she's going to do amazing, but she's like me, like we're competitive, we're hungry, we're scrappy and um, you know, we're really into like that win. That win is, is a big deal. So that's kind of how I got into it. Um, I've done a lot of different sales. I've done consultative sales. I've done burn insurance sales. I've sold products. I've sold services. I've sold education. Um, I'm very happy though to be out of that kind of game and into a more helping opportunity, which is what we do here at Impulse. I love that. Well, big congrats to your sister. That's so exciting and so, so full circle. I've been like really nostalgic about it, like messaging some of my old colleagues who still work there. And I'm like, you know, do you ever go into Jersey? My sister just got hired. And so I'm trying to get her some connections and start her network for her, which is a big part of sales. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Especially a, like a business product or a business service. Right. Exactly. Yes. Um, so you mentioned that you're always chasing the win and we know that for a lot of businesses, winning looks a little bit different this year than it did last year. And it looks different yeah. in the second half of this year than it did in the first half of this year. Um, so I'd love to hear from you some of the biggest shifts you're seeing as a sales professional in 2020. It's interesting. Even like, I can't even look at 2020 in that question is like the change in 2020, because there's been two changes. There's like been a coming of age of sales over the last decade, I'd say, which I'll talk, I think the three things I'm gonna notate for you are effective and make sense for the way sales have been changing over the last few decades, but specifically in the last quarter and a half of 2020, it has been insane. It has, everything has changed for me. I've had to reproductize what we offer at Impulse Creative because what we were doing eight months ago isn't effective to the needs of our clients now. Um, and so I guess I'll start with the three and I'm going to change because the three things that prospects are looking for now in this quarter are very different than in the beginning of 2020. They're looking for fast. They need solutions and they need them fast. 
So we've had to reproductize to pivot what we offer and how we offer it to one, stay within our regulations, our morals, uh, the way we do business. The types of clients we want are still the same, but we've just had to be more efficient in how we're delivering what we deliver to those clients, right? Whether it's marketing services or a new website, we need to be faster. Um, and there's also been, in my opinion, from what I've heard from a lot of colleagues in the sales space, competition is at a high. Before I would go into a sale and they'd be needing, I mean, really, there wasn't a lot of competition, you know, they were like needing a new website. And like, we talked and we liked each other and our morals and values as an organization met theirs and our solution fit. And it was great. Let's go. Now people are looking at seven, eight, nine, ten different types of vendors because they have to do that due diligence as a business owner for the right price, for the right, the efficiency, for the speed in which you can deliver and for the product. If it is not exactly aligned with what they need, with their cost and with their timeline, you're out. And so we've had to be more selective to say, I'm not a good fit which I talked about in my juicy bits with Jackie that I try to do weekly yesterday, this like square peg round hole syndrome where you're trying to like shove business in because you need it. But we've had to say, this is not a good fit for us. We can offer this solution that might work for you and meet some of your needs, but not all of your needs. And at the same time, you know, it's dating. The prospect is saying, I'm looking at 10 other people really closely and really strategically. And if you don't meet my hundred things that I need or 20 things that I need, I'm not going to go with your service. So it's definitely more competitive right now. Um, and I think prospects just, like I said, have that list. They have a very defined vision of what they need. I need X, I need it by Y, and here's why I need those two things. And so a lot of more RFPs I've seen because of that, where they're really defining their process, which I hate. Um, that's a whole nother conversation. But I really think those three things have been my most dramatic changes over the last call it five months um and it's been it's been challenging because i had to flip everything we do at impulse on its head do you think there's like a um is there a silver lining to all of the change it sounds just like a lot and like it's scary but are there benefits coming out of it um, I think some of the benefits that have come out of it here at Impulse are the dynamic way in which our team has been able to take what's given to them and also pivot, realign, and produce. I think that when we get new business right now, everyone is very appreciative of that. Like, oh my God, we have new business. Like, we all have jobs. We are working with clients who have jobs. Like, that's a really big deal right now. Like, I actually just got chills because closing business right now is a blessing, not a curse. And even if it's not the exact right type of business you saw yourself doing this year, if you can reevaluate what your goals are and like, maybe pull back a little bit and redefine what you need to look like for the current moment. Maybe it's not who you want to be as a business when you grow up, but maybe it's who you need to be right now to get through this time to be appreciative of whatever that business looks like. Again, as long as it fits within what you can deliver because you don't want to not deliver what they need because everyone's in a shit show right now. I think that's a balancing act too that everyone's working on. Like, this is what I can give you and this is what you need. Does it work? But I think that it's made us really nimble and really creative on solutions and how to, like I said, reproductize or repackage the way we offer what we're really good at 
to make it align for people's budgets. So that's been really great. And um, I mean, those are the two like brightest spots I've seen come out of what's been happening. Yeah. So, I mean, what you definitely dug into how um, things have evolved and changed as far as like the sales process itself and what it's like whenever, you know, handling that new business. So I guess on the other side of things, like have your first calls with a prospect like changed at all or are those the same? My first communication has never changed in 15 years. I've done the same thing. I always do. Um, I am uniquely authentic. Maybe not uniquely. I hate that word authentic too. Like I'm just Jackie, like just Jack, uh, always. Um, it has only done me well in my career. I do not pretend to be anyone but myself. So that means when I first talk to you, I'm going to really dig in. I want to know why we're talking. How did you find me? Why are we here? How can I help you? That has always been a constant for me across my career is that I'm trying to help you solve a problem. So talk to me about what your problem is. Tell mommy, let me help you. And let me tell you if we're not going to be the right, you know, if this isn't the right solution for you. Like, because a lot of people come to me all the time and it kills me and they say, I need help with SEO. I'm like, oh, bless your heart. Bless your heart. What does that mean to you? Okay. Like, tell me more. What, like, why do you need help with SEO? Okay. Well, you need to close more deals. Great. Let's talk about that. Why do you need to close more deals? How are you going to close more deals in the future? What was your plan before you talked to me? So I ask a lot of questions and my goal of these first meetings is always to diagnose. Diagnose, are you or aren't you a good fit? That's it. That's all I want to know out of meeting one. Are we going to be good partners together? Yes or no? If we are going to be good partners together, let's talk again. I'm going to dive into some solutions with you, see if they are a good match and they're what you're expecting. Then we'll talk price and et cetera. And we'll go down, we'll court down that path together. But meeting one is always the same for me. Are we or aren't we a good fit? That's it. Yeah, I feel like that's a really good place to start. And it's awesome to hear that that hasn't changed, even though like the climate is technically changing. Like that means that you are always like looking out like what's best for like the state of the partnership first. And if we can actually help somebody and that's great. It's not about like, it's not, and that's, that's what we are at Impulse. It's not just about like making the sale, right? Like right. it's about bending oh, no. people. So it is. Yeah. And I think that's inbound marketing. Like if you buy into the HubSpot Kool-Aid and all the trainings that they offer, which I love inbound as a salesperson, it is like, I have hunted, I have prospected, I have gone zip code by zip code down books, calling people. Like I've done the dirty work. Inbound is beautiful because people are raising their hand to talk to me. So I have it easy there, ladies. I'm not going to lie to you. I would never go back to the other way. But even when I was in that land of like literally knocking on doors in South Philly, selling payroll, like actually going from business to business on South street to try to sell payroll, it was the same thing, right? It was the same conversation. What is your problem? How can I help you? That was more of a hard sell. This is definitely more consultative, which I love, but I think that holistically we've seen consumers just be more educated. That's it. Bottom line. Consumers are more educated. And so with a more educated consumer means a salesperson has to level up. So one of, I think the major things salespeople used to do, some might still do, especially if you're selling a very specific product is feature dump. So like 
HubSpot is a product we can buy, right? We can automate your emails. We can connect with your, this integration. We can do this. We can do that. We can feature dumping, verbal diarrhea onto somebody about all the things you can do for them. Not once taking a step back and saying, well, what's your problem? So if you're coming from it from that angle, it should never change. Even with a more educated consumer, it should never change because although they know 80% of what your product can do, they may not know exactly how they can get it to work for them. It's funny how like all roads lead back to that, Jackie. I was just thinking how that compares to like from a writing perspective, like the Simon Sinek golden circle, starting with why, not leading with the what. It's just funny how in almost any role in marketing, it all comes back to like, understanding the needs of your customer. And I just love that. A thousand percent. And I think that another like lingo-y term, marketing, which we'll define as like sales and marketing or a revenue team or um, what else would you call that? Like sales and marketing have to really work together because there's really three, I can't do my job unless marketing does their job. So there's that lead generation part of a revenue team there's a diagnosis and close of the revenue team. And then there's rolling out of the revenue of like beginning an engagement or a project or whatever with your client part. So there's like three main chunks, Jen. And uh, it all begins though with how we're talking and educating, which is a big thing for us, right? At Impulse is that inbound methodology where you're creating content and curating content to educate to be the leader in your space, to be a thought leader. And without that content, I can't do my job. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I remember even like you and I collaborating, you coming to me and say, I need these specific pieces. You know, yeah. I wouldn't consider myself like a A plus writer. Can you help me communicate what I'm trying to say and what I can say so like easily in conversation in like a blog post or in an ebook or in some fashion like that? So I feel like it's absolutely important to have like a cohesive element there with everyone on the team. But are there other ways besides like from a content stance that you kind of ingrain that like team sales mentality in with the rest of like the departments or in general, oh, like yeah. marketing team? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I am a 100% firm believer that I do not know everything. Um, and I am selling my team. That's what I do here. People, as a salesperson, you are always kind of told that like people are buying you, you're the base of the company, they're buying, they're buying Jackie, they're buying Impulse slash Jackie, but I'm not successful if it's not for the team behind me. So from a team approach, I talk about you guys in every single call. Like you need help with a, an integration. We have a really epic full stack developer who's the nerdiest dude you'll ever meet. He's awesome. He's going to totally kill this for you, right? Like, yes, we have a content writer who is a local SEO expert and is going to knock this out of the park for you. Like I leverage, because I'm not selling a product. I'm leveraging my humans as my product when I'm bringing, you know, a new prospect on to meet their needs. From a marketing perspective, I'm naughty. I should absolutely utilize our content more than I do because we have some amazing content. I am naughty. I'm like the quintessential sales rep. Like I need things and then I'm given things and I'm like, I don't know where they are. And then you show me and I'm like, I don't feel like doing it. Like I get it. I am that person. But we have such a great um, tight knit team that I can come to you, Jen or Carissa and say like, 
I'm, I need to, I need to communicate this very specific message to somebody in writing. Can you do that for me? Right. And we collaborate, like you said, not all companies in my 15 years have been so open to share. It was very like, this is what marketing puts out. Deal with it. Make it work. Goals were not aligned. So it is a very modernized thought process to align goals and targets of both the marketing and the sales function of your business. Those two arms should have one goal. We should all be working towards the same goal because if we are not, we're going to be opposing forces, which is not going to get anybody anywhere. And that's where that like marketing comes into play. Right. Like if you're, if you're generating like 5,000 leads a month, like that's fine and dandy. Like glad the marketing team did that. Okay. Like 10 of them are qualified and the sales, the sales team can't do their job and they can't close. That's nuts. Like that's, that's misalignment. That's awful. 100%. That's opposing forces at play, right? That's what that is. That's the marketing team has one agenda. The sales team has another agenda. Everyone's checking their own box, but nobody's bothering to talk to each other about what is or what isn't working. It's a tough conversation. We've had to have them at impulse where I'm like, no, this is not the content that's going to drive the leads that we said we wanted four months ago. So like we need to reevaluate that on a regular basis. I meet with our internal impulse marketer, our, our revenue team. We have a meeting once a week where I talk about the meetings I've been having, what people are asking me. And based on that, we create content to help educate people before they get to me. So it's a really, really holistic kumbaya kind of approach where like we're working together to generate the leads that we as a team decided we wanted a year ago. Yeah, that's awesome because the feedback from this, I mean, like the sales team is ultimately what should be driving. Like if you're, if you're closing like a lot of leads, like you want to look at exactly what got them to you and replicate, yep. right? Like that's the whole point. So 100%, yeah. if there's no cross uh, functional alignment, um, you're losing. That's it. You're yeah. just losing. Mm -hmm. How many people miss that? And then I think there's a third layer that as a services business, we layer on top of this, but that many organizations, most organizations would be smart to also add as a layer. Um, and that's something I think we're doing more deliberately today, I think maybe than we did in the last year. I don't know. Um, I don't think we didn't do it. I think we're doing it more deliberately now. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's interesting to think about how all of this stuff is interconnected and, and marketing is not my favorite word. No, I know. Um, I hate it. Revenue team, revenue ops. There's so many different like kitschy terms you can use. It is the alignment of all your departments together, working towards a holistic goal. Right, right. So I think the idea of bringing service closer to sales, right? Bringing delivery, um, as part of that feedback loop is something a lot of marketing professionals haven't necessarily thought of yet before, et cetera. Um, how do you feel like that shift is going for you? Well, today? So, it's interesting because I think as a salesperson, there is a level of, I've, or you could feel that there's a, cause you guys know I'm not like this. I'm crazy. There's a level of like, 
I did my job. I closed the deal. It's your problem now. Right? Like, I don't, like, I said, this is what we said we were going to do. Do it. And then they walk away. Um, being a part of a smaller organization like Impulse, I am definitely more tied to delivery expectations of the client and like overall how the client likes what we're doing, right? Like what that end goal looks like for them and how they're doing, just because like we are a small agency, so I get to see it. Now, when I've worked at larger companies and it was like you sell a client and then they're off into the wilderness, you get a phone call a year later and you're like, you guys messed up. And I'm like, I don't even remember you. No, you know, like it, you can be as a salesperson, very disconnected from that service portion or project management or whatever you're calling it at your organization. Um, I think again, going back to something I said earlier, where we're very lucky that we have new business coming in the door as a salesperson, you better bet your ass you're following up with them because retaining a client is cheaper than getting a new one. How can we cross sell? How can we upsell? How can we leverage my initial contact and relationship with this human, bringing them into the impulse fold and then ensuring that my team is doing what I promised. Right. It, you know, and, and then going back to the client and saying, Hey, we think you need more because we uncovered some more needs that we can solve. Or maybe you didn't know we could solve, which is a huge pet peeve of mine. When people are like, oh, I didn't know you did that. And you're like, oh my God, did I do my job wrong? Did our website not communicate it right? How did they not know this? But that's okay. So I think that it becomes, Julie, like everyone's job at Impulse to parlay our services to upsell or cross-sell a prospect. But that means we're delivering good service because you would never ask an unhappy person to give you more money. Right. So it's like, there's, there's that really um, kind of like cliche of customer services, everyone's job. Yeah. But the, maybe the new approach is marketing sales and service are everyone's job. Mm. I agree. Especially with like, the way people are utilizing social media these days as personal platforms. So, you know, you're talking about fa like you can promote your business. My husband is very old school. He walks around with his stupid company shirts on all the time. Like I know even he's now the grandpa. Yes. Oh, I mean, I see. Right. But like, that's branding, that's marketing, right? People are like, what's Impulse Creative? So I think that like, we as a team and companies as a team right now need to be scrappy. So we need to be focusing on sales, marketing, and service as organizations, because if we want to survive what's going on right now, we all need to be working towards the greater goal, which is keeping clients happy, bringing in new clients, keeping them happy, and then just doing it over and over and over again. With the new service tool from HubSpot, I think it's leveled up the way we as an organization are handling it because we're very ingrained in HubSpot um, as a, you know, as a tool set here. So I think tools, MarTech tools are definitely coming into play to align with more of these like sales, marketing and service functions holistically where like we can all see each other's notes so we can have really robust conversations with clients. I think that's really helpful too. I have more visibility today, I think, into every aspect of a client's life cycle than I've ever had before. Um, and I'm coming from um, other agency experience, in-house experience, a whole host of different yeah. things. Um, 
but yeah. the fact that we are keeping so much in one system that we're developing it and extending it as a platform for yeah. the entire customer experience and for the employee experience um, and yeah. continuing to make moves there and invest there um, has been really, really helpful in my role and I hope in everyone's role. I say I would agree. to team members on the call with me. No, I would totally agree. Cause that even from my point of view, right? Like I lock them in and then you guys take over. I can check in and see what's going on without having to be like, so Jen, how's it going? You know, like I don't want to ever feel like I'm coming in as like a, what are you doing? How's the client? Are they happy? Are you doing what we promised? Like I don't, no one wants to come in that way. So I have the capability of going in and looking at some of the tools we use to see where we are in a project and if things are on time, that way I can circle back and say, Hey, it looks like everything's going really great. Heard in a meeting that you were looking for X. Like I know that I can upsell, cross sell someone because they're satisfied and happy with the services. Cause I have insight into it from like a data standpoint, which is amazing. Salespeople have more data today than they ever did. All, all of us. I, there's so much data. There's so very much. Um, I think it's interesting that you think about after the sale, your next touch point with the client and how that communication will be and making sure we're delivering on everything, et cetera. I usually think about my role and my team's roles in a client relationship to almost make them forget about you. I know. Because you said earlier, right, that they're buying Impulse Creative. They're also buying Jackie. Yeah, for sure. And I know that my clients are buying Jackie, but then they need to come in and see that, oh, I bought Jackie, but then I got Julie, I got Carissa, I got Jen, I got Chris, I got George, I got Russell. And then be like, wait, who was that person I talked to at the beginning? What was her name? Oh, right. Jackie. She was great. Yeah. You know what? Jackie is great. I'm going to bring her back into this. You're going to get to talk to her again. Right. Thank you for forgetting her name, which is um, maybe just my competitive side showing. But my hope is always that you don't get that call in month 11. That's like, you messed up. It's that the client right. told me that we can make a change and then right. I can communicate that with you, right? That's, yeah, that's the dream sure. of this alignment um, <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't, I, you know, my job at Impulse is not to babysit or carry through a client after we've moved out of, but they ask me, so I'm not going to talk to you anymore. And I'm like, no, no, no. You can always call me or email me. You have my information, but you don't want to talk to me anymore. I don't, I am not in charge of your project. I am not writing your blogs. Like you don't want me doing that. I am not helping coordinate your paid ads. You don't want me doing that. Our time together is finished. Like I have to break up with them a little bit, like, but I'm always here, but I have to break up with them. I have to say, look, you want to talk to Julie. Cause if you call me and ask me a question, I have to ask Julie. I don't always know the answer to your <laughs> question. So remove me. I don't want to be your middleman. I don't want to do that. Remove me from the situation. And like, please talk with your, my team of experts. And I do toot everyone's horn as that, like we at impulse hire experts within their specific functions. Nobody at Impulse is doing things just by like throwing spaghetti at the wall. We have specific roles. We have specific levels of expertise and we leverage that with every single client we have. That is what I'm selling. 
And then, you know, as Julie said, then I do nothing because they don't want to talk to me anymore. No, you do so much. You make sure we're delivering promises. Well, but not only that, like my job and any salesperson job is to ultimately continue to do that is to just keep new business coming in. Right. And I used to do that. And Oh my God. Like I used to go to, I used to be out at networking events five days a week, handing out business cards. Like I'll tell you what I have, I live the life, the golden life at this agency with inbound sales where people come to you. It is incredible how this methodology has impacted my professional life so dramatically and made like the way I like to work with this consultative helping. You can't do that when all the time when you're out grabbing business cards and knocking on doors. Sometimes it is telling selling, but I prefer helping selling. I love that. Um, so what's one piece of advice you would give to a salesperson or organization struggling to close deals right now? They have leads, but they're not closing deals. Hmm. They have leads, but they're not closing deals. It just sounds like they're not having the right conversations. So maybe they're not asking the tough questions. Um, you really have to find out why someone came to you. So those pain points, as we call them, like, why did they seek out a service in the first place? Dig a little deeper into that. Go to those second and third level sales questions and, and let them talk. Ask open-ended questions to allow them to tell you why they sought out your service in the first place. Because I bet you can uncover a nugget or two that's going to help you then parlay why you're a good solution for them instead of just feature dumping and not knowing why they came to you. So like taking a step back and like digging in a bit more, um, I think would be a really strategic move and potentially pivoting on their products. Cause that's what we had to do. Don't stay like these, this is it. Don't be rigid right now. Like you have to be a little bit more flexible in maybe it's your cost, maybe it's where you're offering, maybe it's who your leads are. Maybe you're not talking to the right audience anymore because of what's going on right now in the current, you know, marketplace. So don't be afraid to like be flexible. What's one piece of advice you would give to a salesperson who feels like they're not getting good quality leads from their marketing team? Speak up now. Staying quiet helps nobody. Find a polite way to, and guess what? You can use data. Data don't lie, right? Might not tell the whole story, but it don't lie. So use data or any tools you have to show and educate and share. Here are the people I'm talking to. Here's why it's not working for me. Here's why leads aren't closing. Because your marketing person will hopefully be like, tell me more. Right. So if you start the conversation, I would imagine that most marketing teams, they don't want to do all their hard work for nothing. Right. So they want to know that there are the work that they're doing is also coming in fruition. They have goals too, but I don't, don't stay quiet. Whether you talk to your manager or you talk to the marketing person directly, don't be afraid to speak up about it. But like any meeting you go to be prepared, have data, 
have talking points, have examples, specific examples, so that you can say, this is not working for me, here's why, and should be able to show them why it's not working. What's one piece of advice you would give to a marketing team who doesn't feel like the sales team is working their qualified leads correctly? How should they communicate uh, that best with a sales rep? Oh, the dirty, dirty sandbox of marketing and sales. Um, we have not played together so nicely for so long. Well, that's tough. I mean, that's where you need to sit down um, as departments and say like, we need to put a set of goals together that we can both agree upon. So like, if I'm giving you a lead, this lead needs to be contacted within this time frame. That's you're promising a lead, I'm promising contact you know, and, and see if they can put together a solution or a contract of how they are going to work together as a team. If marketing feels like they're producing great leads, but sales isn't closing them, we need to like dig into that and see where the disconnect is. And then once we can identify a disconnect, put together a plan that's going to work for both sides towards, again, that common goal. It's alignment. Can we do one more of those? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's one piece of advice you would give for a customer service or a delivery team who feels like they are not getting the right customers or the right information about customers at the end of the sales process? That's tough. That has happened. Uh, um, as Audrey would happily share, I get a little creative sometimes. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Audrey builds amazing processes and then I come in with like a hacksaw and, and break them. Um, okay, so if service feels like they're not getting the right clients, um, there could be a misunderstanding of what we offer to the salesperson. The salesperson may not have an understanding of exactly what is done. We actually ran into this earlier this week with a very technical product that I was trying to sell. And I was like, no, we don't do this. We this, this should cost more. And it's because I didn't understand the technology of what we were delivering. And it turns out we can do that for the price that they were looking at it for. I just didn't know. So it's about like, if a salesperson is giving you the wrong business or the wrong prospects or the wrong whatever clients, there's another communication and also could be an education issue where the salesperson doesn't really know what's being delivered. And they're just kind of like pushing them in the door, right? They're like working towards a number or a, a quota, not necessarily thinking about the people who are doing the work and how those people are getting that work done. And so I think it could be an education piece. It could also be a desperation piece. Like, I don't care. I need to make money right now. And those things need to be addressed. Like from a, a C-suite perspective, if your salespeople are just bringing in business to hit a number, then you need to reevaluate what you are expecting from them and what their goals are. So they're not bringing in shit for the rest of your team. And that they're educated in knowing what they're selling so that they're not bringing in shit for the rest of the team. That starts kind of high up though, I feel like. I don't know if that conversation should be happening with the salesperson and the person that I feel like that's a level up. Yeah. So what I feel like you're saying across the board though, is in these moments where we see and feel misalignment, whether it is 
marketing to sales, sales to marketing, sales to service, service to sales, service to marketing, marketing to service, right? Because all of yes. those interaction points matter. Yeah. The thing to do is to stop for a minute and say, why is this happening? What yeah. don't we understand? What's not part of the collective brain? And then we can come up with a game plan and move forward and do it better and document that and look at our data. So I think that's a really smart approach for a lot of companies who may be feeling some discomfort in the second half of 2020, that little bit of friction. Sometimes, um, you know, if you think about the flywheel concept, right, friction is considered a negative, right? Friction is this thing that slows everything down, but there's also this concept of, right, you need to slow down to move faster. Hmm. Not the flywheel concept at all, but sometimes yeah. you need to back it up to be able to push yourself forward. Um, like that moment when you're holding an arrow, when you're shooting, it's not moving at all. But if you don't do that, you're not going to get any force to go forward. So that kind of stop, refocus, go mentality can be really beneficial. Friction in general can be beneficial. Like good ideas don't come out of easy conversations. Agree. I'm a big and proponent so of positive friction. You need to lean into that a lot right now because that's what we're all experiencing across businesses is this, that we're at this moment where are we going to survive or are we going to fail? And what can, like when you rub friction together, right? You start fire. So like, how can we make this fire explode positively for us? Um, and I feel like Julie, we've just kind of defined like revenue operations, right? Like where all roads yeah. meet. Yeah. Where all roads meet. Well, Jackie, thank you for that tremendous journey from sales to marketing to service and back again and landing squarely in RevOps. I think this is a really interesting conversation that probably continue over some future episodes of Maiden Voyage uh, with our team of experts for sure. Um, and maybe some others. Um, thank you listeners for giving us a listen today. Please make sure if you love Maiden Voyage to subscribe to our podcast and to like us on social media and tune in next time where we will continue making waves in the world of business. Sadly, that'll do it for this week's episode of Maiden Voyage. We'd like to thank you, our amazing listeners, because let's face it, lady life is hard. It's incredible how much we accomplish every day, and we all deserve awards just for existing. If you're watching the show, make sure that you subscribe, click on that thing for instant notifications, speak your mind in the comments, and share us with your fellow voyagers.